The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome, everyone. You are at the membership seminar. So if you didn't want to be here, I guess you can leave. <laughs> no, they'll stay. The um, topic we chose for this year is Membership 101 because it's always good to go back to the basics. So our first panel is going to be how to recruit and retain members. And so I've asked some people that have been really good about doing that in their affiliates. So the first panel member is Julie Brannon from the good state of Washington, Washington Council of the Blind. Uh, after her, will be Matt Selm, the president of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Then we'll have Danette Dixon, who is the first vice president of Diabetics in Action. And the fourth panel member of this panel is Fitz Martin, and he's from the ACB of New York. So if you please come and do in that order, I'd appreciate it. I made it my short self. Hi, everyone, and I really feel privileged and honored to be on this committee. I've been in, I would say, WCB, ACB for about 28 years, not trying to date myself, but during that time, my, my focus and my love was membership, and I was first on the membership committee and chaired the membership committee in our state for years. So I think that's why I'm here, because membership is my love. I, used, uh, I taught career classes for many of my career life. And one of the things we talked about a lot was how to get a job. How do I get a job? That was everybody's question I ta taught in the rehab, state rehab center. And the thing we, after research and study and talking to other people, we realized the best way to get a job ultimately that turned out getting it more than not was networking. And when I think of membership within any organization, I think networking is your biggest, biggest asset and the best way to really get somewhere in getting people in the organization. Within WCB, Washington Council of the Blind, I've asked a lot of people, what brought you here? What brought you here? And more than not, it's another person. So then if networking is so important, how do you ready your members to be networkers? If they're the ones that are going to bring other people in, you need to do something to help them reach out to other people. And we've done that in our membership committee. We've had sessions on how do I share with other people I meet? How do I share with a friend or family or connection that might know a blind or visually impaired person? So we've done that training on that. And we've talked about 10 good reasons to join WCB. We have that actually on our webpage. What, what do you get? And that's what we realize people want to know. And they'll ask you if you try and encourage someone to join. And I really have to, I'm not tuning my horn, but I counted the other day how many people I've networked into WCB and it was 29. So that means that's a pretty good networking and being able to outreach. And what did I do to lasso those people? Sometimes it takes years, to be honest with you. Sometimes you start with a person, they're not ready but you don't give up on them. <laughs> That's what many people said. I'm going to join just to get rid of you, Julie. So anyway, you don't, you don't give up on them and you give them reasons for how it will benefit them. And again, that's why we developed that list on our webpage. So the people that came to the web could see it, but it also helped our members in being able to outreach and network with other people. I would say that really is number one, but there's other ways also to recruit members. One is brochures, and we have a WCB brochure. We have a, several committees. We have about 19 committees in WCB. One of them is senior vision loss, and they have a brochure. And then we have um, WCB families, and they also have a brochure. So kind of the age-related entities have brochures, and then our WCB in general has one. That's another thing you can do. And we encourage members to take them to senior centers, nursing homes for the senior ones. Uh, WCB families, take them to pediatrician's office. Our WCB brochures, we encourage people to also take to, especially ophthalmologists, optometrists, people who are going to meet people losing vision. 
it's amazing to me how many doctors, uh, you, you know, people walk in, they might be losing their vision on and on, scared to death. Doctors don't know what to do. Even though they're doctors, they're scared to death of blind people, as many of you have noticed. So anyway, our brochures can be very helpful. We don't have them in Braille, but we have them in large print and Spanish. So that's another way that you can certainly recruit people. Another one, and I'm going to not steal Danette's thunder, but another way is to have special interest groups or affiliates within your state organization, if you can. And we have two, and that has been a great member grabber. <laughs> we have the one that Danette started, and that's WCBD, WCB Diabetics. The other one is Guide Dog Users of Washington State. So special affiliates bring a lot of people. That's another way. I recommend you have a very good relationship with your state rehab agency. They, of course, get people in who are in various stages of vision loss because they're a rehab agency. And we also have a very good relationship with the training center in that rehab agency and make sure that every year we have a state convention, we have, have a good relationship with your rehab agency. We go to the training center every year to talk about the convention and what's gonna happen there. We've, we've talked to the rehab agency and they're very generous in that they send students, adult students in the training centers to both state conventions, both our WCB convention and NFBW convention. And they're very generous. We, I know many rehab agencies won't do that, but we started that conversation with them years ago. And many, many of our members have come from those students who are in a training center program scared to death, just learning about blindness, learning training skills, they come to our conventions. That's very nice to have that, you know, connection with the rehab uh, training centers. So those are some ideas that I've been mulling around in my head and thinking about, but I still say number one is networking. The other thing I'll just quickly say, and I don't want to take it from everybody else. I'm glad I got to be first. <laughs> I can say all my ideas and whatever. I'll just say one quick thing about recruitment. Again, it's that one-on-one -on -one connection. It really is. And so when we have new members, uh, one thing we do is we have president's meetings once a month. All of our, We have 16 chapters. All of our presidents meet once a month with me, and they're encouraged about what do they need to do in their chapters. And one of the things we drill into presidents is when you get new members, connect with them. Make sure somebody in the chapter connects with them. They need to not, it's horrible if they go to a meeting, nobody talks to them and they don't even know what's going on. That's just not acceptable. Another thing we encourage tremendously because we have a committee, what can I say, a committee fair or something every January trying to find out who's going to be in what committee and encourage people to join. But people can join committees all year long. That's another thing we push with our presidents and with telling them if you have someone in your chapter that's new, Show them the committees that are available. I tell people there's almost a committee for if you really want to study your infected big toe. There's a committee for everything, <laughs> just like ACB, you know, or your special interest groups. So we very much encourage involvement in the chapter quickly and involvement in the state quickly. Once people get involved, they start taking ownership of the organization, and that is your best way to keep them. I think we've lost some people by not connecting with them quick enough in the past and by not making it personal enough with them. I really do encourage chapter presidents to have a few people you assign to new members. Call them occasionally. and Maybe they came to one meeting and you haven't seen them since. Make sure you get their phone number or email at a meeting when they're just attending as a new person and make sure you have someone stay in touch with them. Just as with getting new members in an organization, sometimes it takes a long time. Sometimes they're not ready. But I have a, I know of a member who attended a meeting, didn't even want to admit she was blind. In fact, she was in my local chapter. And I did stay in touch with her for a year. On a, I would call her about every meeting coming up, our local chapter meeting, and just called and chatted about blindness and all that stuff. And after I stayed in touch with her a year, and after that year, she became a very strong member. But it took a year. She wasn't ready after that first meeting, and we could tell that. And she's really quite a dynamic member now. So I'll say when you're dealing with people, they need to feel connected. They need to feel like they have a place. They need to feel like there's a purpose. They need to know what's in, for the, in it for them. And sometimes they need lots of long-time connection. Thank you very much. Man, I'm not going to follow that at all. <laughs>
So uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Matt Selm from Louisville, Kentucky, and the, and the president of KCB, as previously mentioned. Um, I would really agree that the first path to creating new members is really building that one-on-one -on -one relationship. Here in Kentucky, we do have nine chapters, five that are geographically based and four special interest groups. And generally what we see here is a lot of times our local chapters are the ones that will often bring in new members as a first point of contact. And then we try to facilitate them into the special interest groups you know, to gain that extra value. Although that's not always the case. Yeah, I'm not sure what artists, if there's a specific question or if we're just doing introductions. No, go ahead and give your ideas. So I'd say the big things that we tend to do here to really maintain our members year after year is uh, we've created a real culture around renewing if you're a year-to-year -year member, renewing your dues around the time of convention and not waiting until, you know, that first quarter of the next year, we have to turn into AMMS. Uh, that way, things are sort of narrowed down a little bit and we can identify, you know, who we have not renewed or who needs to be contacted to be given that little extra oomph to renew. We also have several, I guess I'll call them touch points for, you know, even general members out in our state that are not, you know, they're just members at large. They're not necessarily a part of a specific chapter. Uh, you know, they, you know, we do have a newsletter that's sent out quarterly and it's just chock full of information. Of course, sound prints, which is our podcast, that's done on a uh, weekly basis. And that is also, you know, not only post to the regular podcast feeds, but, you know, we do have folks that we're burning CDs and mailing them CDs in the mail to, you know, maintain that contact. You know, we do funnel everyone through, if, you know, just general Johnny Q public, we do funnel them through our main number. And we, uh, you know, we are, uh, of course, you know, everyone knows Carla. Carla's the, you know, answers that number and she is diligent to say the least about, hey, we've got, uh, you know, people that, you know, contacted us and they're looking for XYZ and she'll say, oh, well, let me get your email and your phone number. We're going to answer you our email list. And, you know, I mean, honestly, she would, she, if, if she wasn't a volunteer, she would definitely be a, a paid employee with as much work as she does. The uh, We do have other, uh, like I said, we do have geographical-based chapters, and they are, some better are better than others, but they, they are really getting into the groove of, hey, if people contact us, we need to make sure that we're getting their information and following up, you know, on that from that first contact, you know, that we don't, we don't let them, don't let them get away, uh, you know, that we're circling back. Uh, we have just started this year presidents meetings with all the chapter presidents, kind of a platform for people to share ideas and give me feedback as well, and kind of, you know, feed that, feed that circle. Uh, those are, I mean, they are kind of in there infancy i think we've only had two meetings so far but i think some definitely some positive things have have been shared because you know not you know our chapters are not all uh doing things the same way you know so keeping them interconnected in that way i think that that helps that is oh one big thing so i don't know if um you know, for those states or even special interest groups that may have life members, you know, we have made our life membership extremely affordable and we do, 
you know, encourage folks to become life members. It's very heavily used and it's definitely not a, not a hidden secret uh, amongst our chapters and amongst our members. So we definitely do encourage that a lot as well. So, all right. And that is kind of where I'm at for, for right now. So. So I'm going to talk about special interest affiliates. ACB has a lot of special interest affiliates like my heart, ACB Diabetics in Action, of course, my heart, where I'm first vice president for now, and um, ACB Lions, ACB Families, and a lot of the special interests to gain, to let more ACB members know about their special interest affiliate, they might put like a, on the community schedule. <clears throat> the community schedule is the night before, you'll get the community schedule for the next day, and there per week, there's probably 100 different things that are scheduled, some coffee, some peer, peer support, some languages, some technology, just a bunch of different things. And in order to get in on the community schedule, you would send an email to community at acb.org. What ACB Diabetics in Action has done, they do a second Wednesday call. That's when we have a speaker. And sometimes our speaker will be about this last one has been about how diabetes affects your entire body. And she talked in June. Well, we're having her back in July to finish her discussion. And then we might have like a nutritionist learning how to read labels or for those people who might have um, always like prepared foods or something. But ACB Lions and families and governor employees and teachers, they all do this. And this would be how you would gain, let other ACB members know about, or ACB people that are on the community schedule know about your special interest affiliate. And if these members, if these people are not members, well, they might just become members of your special interest affiliate. So this is how Diabetics in Action, Action has gained members. And there's probably... Um, I'm not quite positive how many special interest affiliates, but there's probably 15 or 16 and there's, there's veterans and there's Braille, um, BRL and there's library users, Randolph Shepard, Ivy, and th th there's a bunch of them. And j just to, um, again, to get on the community schedule to learn what, what these special interest affiliates are doing, send an email to community at acb.org and you'll learn about all the special interest affiliates on, on all their scheduled events on the community schedule. And we, since the beginning of the pandemic, we've had, I believe Cindy gave an announcement like over 9,000 in the last two and a half years. That's a lot. That each, sometimes each hour, sometimes there's more than one event in an hour and they're all done by Zoom or, or, or on ACB media. But, but that's a way that, that has kept me sane <laughs> since the pandemic. <laughs> so um, that's a way to gain members in your affiliate and let other people know about your uh, affiliate and... Even, even here at the conference, there's different affiliates holding special meetings and such. That that's a way to get involved in the leadership of ACB. And, you know, I joined Diabetics in Action because when I started insulin, I needed support. And Diabetics in Action is where I found it. Because I didn't know where this little blind girl was going to start having to put herself to give her some insulin. And I didn't know how I was going to do it. Well, Diabetics in Action is where the support that I found. And that's what I want to do in back in Washington state is give that support back to the members in Washington state. That's uh, my heart, why I started Washington Council of Lying Diabetics in Action. They have guide dog special interest affiliates, even a national guide dog users of, nope, guide dog users incorporated Inc. They've had special events, whether it be virtual before the convention or, or during, but but yeah, it's, it's a great place to, you just find your niche, find your place where you want to get involved and the, the, you, you go from there.
Okay, I know that um, in New York, they created a, a special video to tell people about the organization to try to get new recruits. And perhaps they have it on their website. I'm not certain, but I'll find out now. I'll put a note out to leadership so that you can watch that video and uh, see what they did. Because I know he was going to talk about that. I'm already that. We're going to give an opportunity for the audience to ask questions of this particular panel. And Allison Smitherman has offered to take the mic around. And Marie, if you can tell us. Pronouncing my name right out of all the Zoom facilitators today. Congratulations, young lady. Listen, you guys, I am so, 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 so thankful you guys have done this today. Here's the reason why. The North Carolina Council of the Blind, ladies and gentlemen, we are on life support. I come with a sad face right now to say that. Arizona, you too. I was very disappointed to hear that there's only, what, 25 members doing the math uh, the other night with the roll call. Uh, you guys, by saying what you said last half an hour, 20 minutes, whatever it is now, you guys have given me the gas to push pedal to the metal here to get our leadership on the way down, trickle down to our members to grow our organization because I want to see in the future, a guide dog users of North Carolina or Carolinians uh, with, who have diabetes or aging people with blind or low vision or it, it reach out to blind children and teachers that work here. So, you know, I'm going to keep pushing forward. I'm not going to leave this organization. Um, Thank you. And see, the, see the work done. Thank you. Thank you. Allison. I'm Albert Anderson from Chicago, Illinois, inviting all of you to our convention, national convention next year in 2023 in the beautiful suburb of Schaumburg. But my question is, how do you work with people who have transportation problems? In our city, we have buses and elevated trains and subways all over the place, and we have paratransit and things like that. But I know a lot of you live in areas where transportation isn't so immediately available. So when you have meetings, then what do you do? Um, yes, Julie's going to answer, and then I can answer. So. Artis, I can also answer that as well. Okay, go ahead, Matt. You go first, and I'll give Julie the mic. Okay. Okay, great. So, for those that may not know, although I think most people do, you know, Kentucky is a very rural state, and so we do have members that are all over the place and do have transportation issues. I think this is where the pandemic has become, uh, has really generated some positive change. You know, our chapters are really uh, moving towards conducting their meetings in a hybrid manner and, you know, making sure that those folks that are remote have an opportunity to participate. Uh, even if it is just, you know, opening a Zoom room and someone being on the phone and just passing the phone around as if it were a microphone. I mean, they've 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 done that before. You know, uh, some do have a more advanced setup with speakers, and you know, they wired the phone to the AV and everything like that. And you know, so definitely trying to be accommodating in that manner. Uh, the other thing, too, is that our chapters are, you know, not just because they're working in a hybrid format, they're not just limiting their activities to those that are that are members of the chapter. They're opening that up to, you know, everyone across the state and we're advertising that across the state. It's really, you know, not that someone is going to attend every week from you know cave city but you know they see something that interests them and they will come i know uh greater louisville they meet every for, uh, every saturday now and they are currently alternating between hybrid meetings and meetings solely on zoom but you know those that information is sent out to the entirety of the state as are the other chapters information you know about their calls at least those that turn it in and so you know if you have speakers and you have <clears throat> presentations and such that does tend to draw you know people to those that feel interested and just gives them another contact point with the organization 
I would like to speak to the gentleman's issue from North Carolina, if I may, artist, but I, I will wait until a more appropriate time for that, so. Washington State has a few rural areas, not as many as some other states. So most of our chapters are very concentrated in towns. Before COVID, people seem to find ways to get to chapter meetings. Since COVID, people want the hybrid stuff and, and some of the chapters have gone back in person, but they're finding people choosing the hybrid, it's much easier. You know what I mean? I mean, we didn't even have virtual in our heads before COVID. But one thing we have done is we've developed a members at large group within Washington for the people that don't live close to a chapter or the people that don't want to be a part of a chapter. Some people don't want that kind of commitment. So the membership committee has been charged with that development. And not only are members at large members of that group coming from Washington state, but they're coming from all over the country because we have a lot of members outside of Washington belonging to our organization. So that's one thing we've done. We, we did a survey and people said that weren't part of chapters, they do want connection. So that's what we're doing is developing a members at large group. Thank you. That's what we do in California too. We have chapters that um, have either hybrid, but we also have chapters that are Zoom only. Uh, some of our chapters have found that they've gotten a lot of members that are outside their area. So they've continued to do their meetings on Zoom and then they have an occasional uh, fun time or social event where they can get in person if they're close enough to do that. So it's been kind of a combination. Another thing California has is a weekly um, happenings um, thing that goes out in email to everyone. And that allows chapters to mention in or to their upcoming speakers are for their chapter meetings, give the date and time and who to call if they want a Zoom link. So that's been another way to get people who, you know, can't go in their area, but want to uh, participate from somewhere. So what one of the chapters has done is they've started a support group. A lot of the, a lot of the um, members of this class, of, of this chapter, are fairly newly blind. And so they need support right now. And we have decided to make this not just within this chapter, but make it a statewide support group. So this chapter meets one Saturday, like the first Saturday, and then their business meeting, their monthly meeting would be the third Saturday. And what we have find that this is, this is a huge success for, for not only just in this local area, but also for the whole state. It's mentoring these new people that are newly blind. Artists, when it's, and, and thank you for the presentations. Matt, you mentioned life members, membership in Kentucky, and that seems like a lot of people are taking advantage of becoming life members. Can you talk about how you've gone about encouraging people to become life members? Yeah, I mean, primarily it's been an information piece. So, you know, it's something that, you know, every newsletter that we send out, everything we publish, it, you know, it says, hey, membership is this per year or this per life. You know, like I said, our chapters also, you know, tend to mention it as well. I mean, it's just, and like I said, it's, it's very affordable. It's not really designed to be a big donation to the organization like, like ACB structures that, you know, it's really meant to be you know, something that folks are able to afford and can take advantage of. So, but yeah, the, I'd say the big piece for advertising that is, you know, in our publications and our, it's, it's, it's kind of everywhere. I feel like, I mean, that could just be me, but <laughs> I feel like it is everywhere. So. It's, uh, it's uh, Ray Campbell, the, um, putting on my Illinois council, of the blind president hat for right now. I'm in the process of, looking at reconstituting our, our membership committee. And I guess I'd like to get some ideas of what types are, you know, what I'm, I definitely want to make it more statewide for one thing, but um, can you give me an idea of maybe types of, uh, you know, what, what I should look for in people that, uh, you know, to serve on the uh, membership committee? Artists, can I take this one? Go ahead, Matt, and then I'll give it to Julie. I would say uh, 
probably the first thing is people that care about people and people that are well organized and are able to follow through those are kind of two two big pieces so okay thanks man i was going to say the people part too good for you another thing we've done ray is make sure our committee spans the whole state so you want to make sure that you have a member pretty much in each locale of your state we've got eastern washington western washington we've got some you know someone in southern washington so that's one thing we've done besides the other qualities yeah, you really don't want a person who really is not a people person on that committee. You need to find people who have passion. Another thing we've done that has helped us is we've identified the membership committee has gone to each chapter and we have a membership coordinator in each chapter. Sometimes they kind of fizzle out, but that's what we've tried to do so that that membership coordinator in the chapter can be in touch with the membership committee and they can help the chapters function and get more members. So what WC has also done is like each chapter has someone who would talk to or keep in touch with the, the committee called WCB Cares. This committee would send cards or emails to people who maybe who have been in the hospital or who've had an anniversary, a significant anniversary or received a new guide dog. One person from each chapter would be responsible for contacting WCB Cares to, so they can take care of the, the situation if there was a death or something like that. WCB Cares is, is, a, is a big important part of Washington Council of Blind. Okay, everybody. I'm trying to, I had a couple of questions and now I'm trying to remember what they were. <laughs> so speaking to the transportation piece, Michigan has... Michigan has people scattered all over the place and in a lot of our cities and townships and and such transportation certainly is a major hurdle for many of us. I know in my local chapter of the Michigan Council of the Blind and Visually Impaired back in 2017 when I when I was still president at the time I was able to start having our meetings uh, partially hybrid because I had gotten one of the free conference call lines. So a few of our members were able to utilize that and that that's helped some of the, some of our members. Um, and then once the pandemic hit, it, it, it was kind of amazing to me. Two different things. One, you know, some people really seem to be okay with virtual meetings. And then you have some that really just do not like them <laughs> and prefer them to be in person all the time. But I think it is important to have to have both. My my question is, is how do you get people, <laughs> because this seems to be a struggle, how do you get people to want to be part of what the organization is doing, whether at the state level or at the local level, because that seems, to, at least from what I can tell, seems to be a, a major hurdle. <laughs> and if I told you everything that I did for MCBVI, I, which I don't mind doing any of it, but I, do you guys understand what I'm saying? I do, and this is Julie, I'm gonna answer that. This relates to what I said in the beginning, but one of the ways to get people involved is very quickly. Don't let them have much time lapse before they're in a committee, something like that. And we encourage, in fact, I did a whole statistical assessment of how many members are on committees. And I thought there weren't enough and other people thought that was really good. So it's all your perspective. But anyway, get them involved in committees. And I assume most states have committees. That's many people have been pulled in to WCB via committee work. So for Washington Council of the Blind Diabetics, we it is it is a statewide chapter. So we meet via Zoom and we would love to see more people as well, as everyone else like join our board meetings. So what we did, we sent out an incentive. If you are our state convention is in October and if you attend all of the next like five five um, monthly meetings, you will be enrolled in to receive a, uh, like a $25 gift card. So we, it's not 
bribery. It's just an, an incentive. Okay, we're gonna move on to our next panel. Thank you all uh, for those who participated on this panel. Uh, the next panel is how to give the best orientation for new members. And on this panel, we have Gabriel Lopez Cafati from BPI. And we have, then we have Amanda Selm, the president of the Next Generation from Louisville. And we have Michael Garrett from the Texas Council of the Blind, and uh, he's also their uh, membership chair. So if you want to go in that order, that would be great. Okay, hello everyone. This is Gabriel Lopez Cafari from BPI. Very, very important uh, topic that um, Artis has invited us to talk about. Very, very honored. BPI has been an affiliate that has grown uh, in, a, in a very interesting way because we, we find a lot of diversity within an organization. And um, one of the first things is to uh, recognize that diversity. And uh, when you are trying to give some orientation to your newer members is meet them where they are. Uh, there's not a cookie cutter approach that would be effective because uh, not everyone has the same interests, not everyone has the same ways of communicating, not everyone has the same uh, level of uh, participation. So it, it, there's no right or wrong when you're presenting your organization to new members once they're in the organization. I'm gonna have to echo some of the things that Julie and um, others said in the previous panel is don't let too much time pass in between your members becoming members and having them engaged into something, whether it be a committee or whether it be something that they're interested in. So basically uh, have a, a diverse means of communication as well and be flexible. Not everyone does email. So make sure that you cater to their needs and that you are effective communicators. Because uh, if you send out a mass email, sometimes uh, people will miss it. So it's always good to have that personal contact. Another thing that uh, BPI has done is that um, for those who do use the tool, we have a WhatsApp group. And many people like WhatsApp over email because it's very easy not only to send messages, but also to record audio messages. So people feel like more united. So one of the first things we do as soon as someone joins BPI is we um, invite them to join the WhatsApp group. Uh, some people can find themselves intimidated, but it's also, uh, you know, in, in, in this day and age, we have in our, all our organizations, we have a lot of techie people. So if you feel that someone in your organization who just joined your chapter or your affiliate is kind of hesitant with technology, have someone from your leadership or someone from your uh, team who, who is a little bit more savvy to you know sit with them one-on-one -on -one and offer them, guide them, uh, walk them through the process. And um, not everything is for everyone, like I said earlier. So there, there's not a cookie cutter approach. Some people may prefer email. Some people may prefer a phone. So as, as much as we can may think that phone is something quaint and is not used anymore, it is. Uh, we have a lot of members who would like their communication via phone. Another way in which you can make your uh, new members uh, acquainted with the organization or with the affiliate and have them feel at home is actually introduce them. Sometimes people, uh, you know, there's all sorts of personalities. Some people are more uh, out there and they and they'll introduce themselves with uh, with no problem. But some other people need a little bit encouragement or they need a little bit more of of a guided 
intro to your affiliate. So make sure that you acknowledge and recognize every month. If you have monthly meetings, acknowledge and recognize the new members and um, have them, you know, help them through the process of introducing themselves and talk a little bit about who they are, what brought them to your affiliate. And also, if you do happen to have board meetings, uh, another thing that we do at BPI is we make our board meetings open to everyone uh, and especially to our new members and we encourage participation within the board meetings because that's a way in which many people get to know what your organization does, what your affiliate does, what, uh, what is the focus of your affiliate, what are you currently working on? Because as soon as they start hearing what you really do is when they really start getting engaged because they may hear that you're working on a transportation bill or that you're working on writing letters to senators to try to lobby for or against legislation and they're excellent writers so they start jumping on board as soon as they know what your affiliate is doing so don't be don't be don't you know just be very generous with sharing that information and sharing it through different channels Another way to provide members with good orientation into the affiliate is by, um, like, uh, you know, a few of our previous panelists said, uh, uh, said before, is through engagement and committees. Because many people want to feel active and they want to feel that they're actually moving your affiliate forward and contributing. So committees is a great way to uh, get your new members acquainted with your affiliate and uh, what we do is uh, some sort of like showcase all our committees and uh, as president I sit down with every new member and I talk to them about committees what each committee does and even invite them to one of our meetings before they join a committee so that they can understand what the committee does and see if that's a good fit for them then um, the other Thing, which actually I use a lot because it's from personal experience. To me, the first convention that I attended, uh, which was Louisville in 2012, was when I solidified not only my uh, participation within BPI, but that's when I became part of the leadership. Because once you have a convention experience is when you kind of put everything together. And that uh, meeting in person. I know the last couple of years has been hybrid. Uh, even if it's hybrid, uh, I mean virtual, or now that we have hybrid, try to encourage members to go to conventions because especially our newer members, if they're new to blindness or if they are just getting into the field or getting into getting comfortable with, with dealing with blindness, uh, they will feel hesitant. They will say, are you crazy? Go to a hotel, get a, grab a plane. And if you assure them throughout the entire process and you guarantee that um, they will have a good time, they will learn, and it will open a great deal of uh, opportunities for them. Because what I tell people when I encourage our members to come to conventions is just picture a hotel full of blind people. That is where we are the majority. For once, for one week in our life, we can be the majority instead of the minority. So that is a life-changing experience. So people start thinking about it and uh, encouraging convention participation is great. We know that convention can be a little bit costly. Uh, so also provide sources of, of uh, you know, whether your affiliate provides scholarships or not try to connect your new members with uh, potential opportunities to attend conventions like the DKM fund or the JP Morgan Fellows Program. And um, even your states, some of the states I know have scholarships to attend convention. Or if you wanna start smaller, you can encourage your new members to attend a state convention where you have a little bit more control uh, over you know, cost and time because it's shorter and uh, they may feel a little bit more uh, secure or safer going to something smaller rather than national convention. But I think conventions are a great way 
to get your members really, really engaged and really motivated to be part of the organization. And then moving forward, something that ACB National is doing right now is uh, mentoring. Mentoring people into uh, helping them understand that they do not have to be static within the organization. That yes, they may be new members, but one day the idea is for them to move up into positions of leadership where they can look up towards something, towards a goal, especially once they, they, they are uh, a part of your affiliate, once they feel love for the affiliate, once they are already engaged and excited, you know, uh, us humans will always need something else to look forward to. So advising them that they too can become part of the leadership of the affiliate and mentoring them into those leadership positions is something that you can do to keep your new members motivated and engaged. All right, um, I'll go next. So my name is Amanda Selm, and um, I'm the president of ACB Next Generation, as artist has already introduced me. So a couple of things that we do uh, in ACB Next Generation is we try to ensure that there is as much transparency as humanly possible. Um, and that is um, a very important factor. Like we make sure that everybody is at the same level. Um, where we all sit at the same table when uh, we're in ACB land. Uh, I expect nothing less when we're in our affiliate lands as well. So uh, I'll give you some demonstrations of that. We have our board meetings monthly um, and I send out that information, the agenda and the Zoom link and because those are open, open to members. Uh, another thing that we do when welcoming our members and even our members that are already members that are not yet involved is we send out what we call a, a membership orientation guide. And that is something that is headed up by our membership committee chair that has worked with all of our other committees, like our PR committee, our, our constitution and bylaws committee, and our, you know, uh, our programs committee. And they put together um, a lot of information that you know they felt like they need when you come into the organization uh, like our constitution and bylaws our mission and vision statement we like to refer to our website uh, as our home we don't refer to it as our website we we refer to it as our home we had a an awesome uh, person help us uh, build our website and we have an awesome team that helps us manage that website. So we are very proud of that website. Um, extremely, extremely thrilled with it. So we refer to that as our home. So we say this is the home for AC, all things ACB Next Generation. So like you can find our constitution and bylaws here. You can find information about our committees and our board of directors here. You can find um, information on how to become a member, how to reach us on social media. And uh, let's see what else. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, along with account, we're starting a new feature that includes our calendar of events. So we like to refer to it as our home and it's a custom built home, which is what I like custom built for us. Um, so I think that one of the most inclusive ways that um, we engage our members is letting them know that we appreciate them. Um, and we celebrate them. So the first thing we do, and this is important to go with that piece that, you know, you don't, you don't want to leave too much time um, between when you meet them and asking them to join is we have those personal one-on-one -on -one conversations, but we, we are getting ready to do what we call our um, committee showcase here in August. And we actually have so many committees now we have to split it up into two nights. So I, uh, that is my favorite, um, one of my favorite events because uh, I am on all of these committees. And so my, my favorite part of the job of being president is I get to work with all of these committees and I can dive in pretty much and help win and you know, where I want, but it's even more exciting because uh, we, we are 
we're just, we're just growing. And it's really nice to see the member engagement. We have them fill out a form after that, that lets, you know, it comes to me, lets me know what committees they're interested in. And then, you know, I, I have a working relationship with the committee chairs to build the committees and structure them and work with them on their goals. We have membership perks that we go through all the time. Uh, we make sure to advertise them at all of our events. Um, we have a, a guy named Triple G that gets on the elevator with everybody. I think he's been getting on the escalator at convention. So uh, we call it our elevator pitch. And he has been uh, an amazing asset to our affiliate by teaching us how to do our elevator pitches, educating all of our board members, our committee chairs, and our PR committee how to do these elevator pitches. But the thing that changes with all of our elevator pitches is that we customize it to fit our life to, you know, be more relatable to that person. Oh, you're a mom. Well, hey, our president is a mom. Or, hey, okay, you're a student. Well, we've got a couple of people on our board of directors that are students. So, you know, we fit everybody's lifestyle. Our board is not just diverse in culture. It's, it's diverse in lifestyle. Let me think. Uh, I'm trying to make sure I hit everything. Oh, the history and the advocacy. Okay. So history-wise, the one thing I like to do is when people ask me about ACB Next Generation and how it started, I give them the full story. I give them the short version, and if they want the long version, I give them the full story of how it started. And I love sharing that with people. Um, and, you know, I, 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 just, I just think it's amazing to really see how it has come from a chapter in Kentucky, because uh, we have KCB Next Generation here in Kentucky, and that's where Next Gen started. And then it went to become um, an ACB committee, and now we're an affiliate. So, and then when we went from that to winning the, the one of the growth awards last year, that was amazing. But I, I'm trying to think if I left anything out, but I don't want to overstep artists. I'm going to go ahead. I know we are close on time. I'm going to go ahead and let Mr. Garrett talk. Thank you, Amanda. <laughs> but anyway, so in, in everybody said just about all of the tools that, that, that we use in, in Texas, but orient, making orientation for new members is is very important, we think. And, and I'll, I'll re reiterate some of the things, especially um, I think Julie Brandon started off talking about making that one-on-one -on -one connection. And we just believe in building those relationships because how can you get to know how you can help a person if you don't know them, know their needs? And then that, that old trying to find out their strengths and their weaknesses. And you try to figure out, we try to figure out where that person can best work within the organization. What do they want to do in the organization? And so and we try to steer them in that direction. So we have, we've done at the local level and at the state level, we, we formally put together an orientation session. I remember the first big one we had, uh, we had 18 members or 18 people to come to that uh, orientation. And we divided it up into uh, three sessions. To date, 10 of those 18 people are active in our chapter and in our state. Let's see, about three or four of them have have served on our state board or have served at our, in our local chapter, all coming from that, that uh, orientation session. And we held another, a smaller one just last year where we, 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 we had uh, people come in for that orientation session and they have been put on committees of their choice. So, so you, you have to get them involved, get to know them. And then what we like to do is, is try to, as, as someone said, make it statewide. We are constantly trying to come up with ideas that will inform our members 
And uh, I, I like having uh, a member on my membership committee from each chapter. And we have, with my particular membership committee, we, we have a good time. We have, we have a lot of fun uh, coming up with uh, the things that we do. One of our, one of our members is, is great at advertising the events that we have. So if we come up with the ideas. She puts it in the form, form of, of, a, of a flyer. And it's, it's, been, it's been pretty effective in getting people to join us. Sometimes we even kind of reach out uh, beyond the state uh, level and, and invite people from all around ACB to come and join us for what we call, we, we don't call them focus calls, we call them informative calls. And it may be something fun, it may be something interesting, but it's always informative. So, uh, but, but I'll go back to that relationship building. That is, to me, the most important piece of the whole thing. Relationship building. I mean, and I guess I like that because I just, I just like to be with people, like to help people get to where they want to be. Okay, we're going to give the audience a chance to ask questions again. Yeah, we do not currently have any hands in Zoom. Okay, we do have a, a hand in the in-person audience. Okay, so. go ahead. Thank you. Hi, this is Zelda Gemhard, and I'd like to ask Michael, I, I know how important it is to, to build relationships with your members, but give us an, you know, a couple, of two, three ideas of how you do that, the actual how-tos. Well, when, when you have a new member, well, first it starts with that recruiting, uh, getting to know that person, telling them or, or telling them who you are, you know, who, who your organization is, and just engaging them in conversation, finding out what it is you like to do, what it is you want to do. I, I guess one of the other things that, that uh, I think Amanda touched on it is about telling people about the history and the, or, the organization. They need, they need to know what you're doing, what the organization is doing, so that they feel comfortable. And so we just, we just like to find out who they are, what their interests are, what their strengths are, what their passions are. That, that's, that's what's important. Find out what they're passionate about. Because we believe that if you, if you have a passion for something, that's what you're going to work hardest at. And, and I, I think that that's probably the best thing we can do is find right. out what, what's your passion. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. The, the only thing is um, when you're a part of a special interest affiliate and you're not having those face-to-face -face meetings, how do you find out, you know, I guess first we have to find out what, what uh, form of communication the member likes to be uh, engaged in and, and then make note of that so that, you know, if you're if you're trying to reach them by email and they never answer, you don't think they're just disinterested, but you, you know, they're, they're a text person. They want to be texted or whatever. In today's, in today's times, yeah, you do have to kind of find out what, I mean, that, that's, that's all a part of the whole approach, finding out what makes that person tick and, or, you know, what their likes and dislikes are. And once you find that out, you can find out more information because you, know, you can establish that contact. Okay, is there a question? Question is, if if you're in a chapter and you don't you don't have a person that is a Zoom host, how how would you be able to get the get the members that 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 can't that can't be there in person? To be able to be to be able to have it um, have our have the call on Zoom. I'm not quite understanding your question. You're asking how to do a hybrid meeting. Is that what you're asking? Yes, but for those of us who are on Zoom, how could we how could we get a, a to see about a Zoom host for those uh, for those uh, for those meetings because. Um, I, 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 I am an officer, but I'm not able to attend the meet, attend the meetings in person. So, 
Okay. I could take. Well, and you oh. probably need to talk to your affiliate president. <laughs> Amanda, did you want to? Yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. It sounds like Jamaica that your chapter president or affiliate president would need to designate someone to take on that role, and that might be a suggestion you might want to bring forward. Campbell again, and this may go more towards membership recruitment. I guess I'd like to ask the panel, in what what role, if any, have in in what ways, if any, have you used social media to help you recruit uh, members to your organizations? I'll, I'll take that one, artist. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, so Ray, Ray, we are on, um, we are on, um, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, and we are, we are supposed to be on Instagram. I don't know where we're at. We were on Instagram. We are also on Clubhouse. And uh, we're on Facebook, and we're also on Messenger. So I'll, I'll talk about the easiest one. So Facebook Messenger, um, it, it, it's a messaging system that you can use that uh, you don't, it's not required for you to have a phone number or anything. Um, we call it um, our members only uh members only uh, next generation lounge group and it's a membership part because you have to be a member to to join the group and we hold this raise a member of next gen okay so in that in, in that group we send out a lot of important you know we'll send out some important communication do some icebreakers and things like that say good morning and wish our members happy birthday and it's a feel it's like a feel good thing kind of kind of uh, what, what we like to do is make each other feel better. We tell jokes, we, we ask for, you know, good vibes if we're going on an interview. So that is one way we use social media. Another way we've been using social media is we have the ACB Next Generation Neighborhood Facebook group where we have been posting about the convention, you know, some of our programming about convention. I have also been using Facebook since I'm the team captain of our walk team. I've also been doing something called Fitness Friday that I cross post from Facebook over to email and into our next gen lounge, you know, some recognition because you can tag people. So using some recognition to tag people for joining our team or donating or things like that. And that makes them feel good. And then the other platform we use majorly is Clubhouse. And we use Clubhouse for, you know, just getting to know you socials, like spur of the moment socials. We are the ACB Next Gen Club on Clubhouse. And just so if you see us pop up, if you're on Clubhouse, if you see us pop up, we're just having a very lighthearted discussion. And that's where we meet. That, that, that's kind of our way of getting out in the virtual community, actually, is just getting out there and, and meeting people. Does that answer your question? Okay. Okay, we have a couple of more questions in the in-person. So. I'm just going to make a quick comment for Ray. Okay. Uh, Ray, Sorry. the way in which BPI uses social media is that we have an open group which actually where we actually post topics, um, links to news that are uh, of interest to the LGBTQ community or the blind community. And uh, people can comment or actually click on a link and it'll give them an automated message which will generate an email to the board saying that someone has interacted with our uh, Facebook page and they're looking for more information. So uh, we also send them the link to join. Also, uh, we cross post, uh, for example, if we have a blog article from one of our members or a blog post on our website, it goes through to Facebook, it goes to Twitter, and it goes to all the social media presence that BPI has. And that way anyone can click on it and um, probably they're clicking on it because they're interested in the content of what we're posting. But at the same time, the link to our website and all our contact info is there. So that's how they can get in contact with us and know more about the organization. Just one quick question, and then we have to round it up. <laughs> yes, this is Peggy Garrett. And going back to the question that Zelda asked well, about how you link people, uh, one of the things that I like to do is when people come in, get to know them and listen to them. Sometimes people come because they're looking for help. Maybe they don't know how to use Zoom or maybe they're not really good on their computer. 
or they don't know how to download apps or whatever. And we're blessed that within our chapter and our affiliate, we have some really great people in terms of technology. And I found that linking them with someone who can assist them with their technology, teach them how to get on Zoom, teach them how to even get on a conference call sometimes can make all the difference. Whatever their, their biggest issue is, if you can help them to address that and then focus on what they feel their talent and where they want to spend their time, you can get you can draw them in and you can get them involved and they will most likely stay with you. Hey, thank you. Appreciate those comments. Um, this is Maria. Just to jump in, I got a, a text from a panelist suggesting for the hosting question that the ACB community may be able to assist with providing hosts for Zoom. Okay, thank you. Um, so that's a, that's a good, uh, they could make a good resource, definitely. Okay, I wanted to announce the um, growth awards for membership. The chapter that had the highest percentage of growth was the DC Council of the Blind. And the yeah. affiliate with the largest number of new members was Rundell Shepherd Vendors of America. So I wanna encourage all of you to try to grow your members and you might be a, an award a recipient next year at our convention. I really appreciate all of you coming and listening to our panel members. They all did a wonderful job. And thank you for your questions because sometimes that helps other people get even more information. So I really appreciate that. And thank you to our host, Maria. And thank you to Allison for running the mic. Appreciate it. Thank you all.